Buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. And we are back. It is September 22nd, Wednesday night at the time of this recording. This is another episode of Buzzardry, we appreciate you being with us. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here with my partner, Patrick McGee. Patrick, how you doing? Doing all right. Glad to be on. We are also very excited to be joined by Bradley Warshower. Bradley, uh, how are you doing? And, and just, uh, man, so excited to have you on. I'm doing, doing good. Uh, um, I'm excited to be here. Riley, give uh, give the audience um, if they're not familiar, which we probably have some crossover um, in our audience, uh, but just give them uh, a little bit of your background and uh, your Southern Miss grad, and you you are uh, one of the two that run the Black and Gold Review. Um, just just give people a kind of flyover of your background. Yeah, so um, the main reason I would imagine you guys invited me is the blog, the Black and Gold Review dot com, um, which is. It's just a fan blog, a site that primarily is work uh, that uh, one of my friends from USM, Ryan Chauvin, and I started way back in the day, uh, which is scary for us now. This was um, right about when we graduated USM. We both graduated from the Honors College in 09. Um, and I was an English major and he was a, a political science major. Uh, so we're both in the liberal arts, uh, spent all the time at the LAB. Um, and when we graduated, uh, we both went to East Coast um, graduate school. So I was in New York, he was in DC. Uh, and this was right at like the peak of like the Sean Payton Saints era. Uh, and we're both big Saints fans as well. So um, we spent that entire time on Gchat basically talking about the Saints. And eventually we took that to uh, a blog format. We started on Tumblr. Um, and then we moved over to WordPress eventually. And, uh, just started kind of writing our thoughts on Saint stuff. And, and eventually, um, around 2011, for reasons that are also obvious because of the uh, Fedora year uh, that we had, uh, we started kind of including USM content. And um, that's it. It, it, it. We've been a little bit slower in terms of producing uh, new content. Uh, one reason for that, it's funny, um, being on the podcast is funny here. Uh, we both kind of have sensed over the last couple of years that in terms of kind of regional or local sports fandom, um, the age of the blog kind of, I mean, they still exist, we still exist, but the age of the blog is kind of past and we're in the age of podcasts. Um, so we've got multiple podcasts. You know, I'm excited that you guys have this one um, because it's fun to have uh, so much USM audio content. Um, it's a new thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that's where uh, the blog comes from. It's why I'm here. Uh, I like to remind everyone that um, I am just a fan and, a, and an alumni of the university. Like I don't have the sources. In fact, I'm usually waiting for Patrick to like drop some kind of tidbit <laughs> into our DMs to tell us what's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's the story. Man, um, it, it, that had to be an interesting time to start a blog at, 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 in 09 right you know i guess in the middle of that fedora era and 
um, you know, there was, there's just been, you know, I, I, one of your blogs, I think was um, the last awesome thing that Southern Miss did in, in 2011. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's, I don't know, what's, what, what have, what's the last decade been like covering Southern Miss sports or even just being a fan just from your perspective? So it's funny, we were, uh, I think Patrick and I were actually talking a little bit about this earlier um, online. When you listen to fans talk and when you kind of think about the last decade of Southern Miss football yourself, even when you hear national guys like uh, the Matt Brown podcast earlier when they were talking about realignment, they always refer to the last decade as like the hard times, you know, the, 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 the lean years, you know, the, the dire situation down in Hattiesburg, right? Right. Um, and I think a lot of us feel that way too. Um, and then I kind of, I, I relapsed hard into the message boards in the last couple of weeks because of realignment, like I had sworn them off. Um, <laughs> I had sworn them off because they were just, yeah, they're, 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 they're quite a rabbit hole, right? You can get really, you can get sucked in pretty easy. And I spent right. a lot of years sucked into the, into the message boards. Um, but so I relapsed pretty hard over the last couple of weeks because of realignment talk. And I'm in there arguing with people who are saying how bad Southern Miss is and how much we don't deserve and all that. And I finally just went and pulled up the pure win-loss numbers. Um, and I, I'd have to go back and double check. I should have pulled them up before we started talking. Um, but I think if you go back 10 years, so if you start in 2011, just for the past decade, um, USM has the third most wins in Conference USA. If you isolate that to back just to 2013, uh, which is around when the realignment happened, right? So it's a more equal comparison because the teams that were there in 2013 or 2014 are the teams that are there today, right? Um, we're like fifth or no, seven, seven, uh, middle of the pack, basically. And if you isolate that back to the last five years, we're fifth, uh, which is just to say that the last decade of Southern Miss sports, no matter how you slice it, at worst, we've been a middle of the pack team in Conference USA. Yeah. You know, half the teams in the conference would gladly trade positions with us, right? UTEP. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, right, UTEP or uh, even right for the most part. Yeah. You know, half, half the conference would trade places with us. Um, and I think that says a lot actually about the USM brand. We know we have expectations, but mm -hmm. when national guys are saying how bad things have been for us for the last decade, and yet at worst, we're middle of the pack team in our conference, you know, that, that says something. It says what we can still do, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess before we dive in kind of deep to real on, but just uh, give your thoughts on first couple games and uh, what are your thoughts on uh, our expectations for the rest of the year i guess yeah i mean i've had like all right i'll start with the positives in my opinion like i am really pleasantly surprised at how good the defense has been um like legitimately good across the board other than maybe one or two routes against south alabama um and that was a great receiver the guy that uh, that burned us against south alabama mm -hmm. the dude's gonna be drafted relatively high um and then again against uh, Troy, you know, they, their offense really didn't do anything. You know, some people mentioned that, oh, our, we, the defense wore down some. Deep. Even in the fourth quarter, it was still giving us plenty of chances um, to make some kind of a comeback. Uh, and then eventually scored the only touchdown, right? It looked like Taj Sykes and, and some other guys were just going to take matters into their own hands for a while. Um, in fact, uh, in our section, section over the rock, we were joking that um, it'd be better if we didn't get the onside kick after the fumble recovery, <laughs> uh, because it was more likely that we would force another turnover and score than it was the offense was going to score at that point. 
uh, which leads then, of course, to the negative, which is you think Will Hall, you think offensive guy, and maybe you think back to how things were when Fedora first got here way back in the day. Um, that was, shoot, man, my, my junior year, uh, Ryan's junior year as well. Uh, and that was, you know, super exciting. And of course, they came out and you dropped like 50 points on the first team we played, ULL. Um, but of course, then we had no defense. So we still started two and six. Uh, we were just scoring points instead of, you know, not scoring and, and stopping people. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying that I'm surprised pleasantly by how good the defense has been. Uh, and initially kind of surprised at how bad, like putrid the offense has been. Um, but even then I kind of went back and looked at some of the early game experiences or early season experiences that Will Hollis had at different times of turnover. Um, like last year at Tulane, uh, they opened the season with Keon Howard at quarterback. Uh, and that didn't go so well. Um, they switched over to a freshman, Michael Pratt, who of course has been great for them. But even at the very beginning, uh, they they weren't moving the ball much. I think uh, in one of his post-practice interviews, Hall referenced how bad their offense was in their game against uh, maybe SMU or one of those teams um, in the first full game that Pratt played. I went back and looked because they scored the one points and quickly found out and special teams touchdown. So he was right. Um, so that leads into the idea that in terms of where I think we're going to go, um, I think we're going to see some improvement on offense. I think the defense is going to stay solid. So I'm, I'm bullish on our chances in conference play. I don't know if that means we're going bowling, but, um, but I, think, I think we'll be happy with where we are in terms of our progress by the end of the year. I think the real, I think the real concern would be, uh, for me at least, if there is no real improvement with the offense. Because you, I also don't think people don't really, maybe just the casual fan doesn't really realize how limited that offense was. We talked about that last week, and mm -hmm. and how you only saw Keys go under center twice, and that was only to you know to get out of the end zone, um, and how little he really knows the offense. And so you you maybe are, are limited even as to, you know, uh, you know, maybe what you typically see with a young quarterback with a lot of the intermediate stuff, just outside the tackles, stink and dunk screen type stuff. Um, you know, he, he might not be familiar with that, that part of the playbook uh, yet. And so I, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I uh, fully expect, um, you know, pretty significant improvement um, because I, I think he's has all the talent uh, in the world, obviously losing low is, is a really bad break. Um, but yeah, they're going to be growing pains. And um, I, I think Hall is the guy, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think I read one of, one of those um, on your website, black and gold review uh, about, um, you know, how Hall, you know, has really just injected this energy uh, into Southern Miss football that, that, has been missing, you know, really since Todd Munkin in his final year. And, um, you know, with that, that Hobson gap um, and, and how, if you, if you can get two consecutive successful seasons, and I guess we can kind of roll into conference realignment with this, um, then you start to tap into the potential of, of getting into that top tier of the group of five and, and setting yourself up um, in, in a better position for realignment. Uh, so that being said, we, uh, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to finish recording this and I'm going to, I'm going to post it as quickly as I can. So we get, uh, you know, so nothing else happens before we actually. <laughs> so, so Brett, the episode. Brett McMurphy doesn't put out a tweet yes. tonight, like at 11 PM. Right. It says breaking exactly. Southern Miss and Marshall going to the Sun Belt, but uh, 
Yeah, so I was reading one of your articles from back in 2016, and at that point, it was the thought was the Big 12 was going to expand, mm-hmm. and that was going to create a, a, a basically the AAC was going to backfill. And of course, you know, the Big 12 did not end up expanding at that time, and the AAC kind of stayed put. And you know, you kind of made the case for Southern Miss and the AAC, and um, I guess now it's looking like the AEC is going to turn us down again. Um, so I just, what uh, in terms of realignment does uh, how have your thoughts have changed uh, since you wrote that article a couple years ago? So, yeah, at the time, I feel like the AAC was the only option that most of us could really envision, right? Like, if it wasn't going to be the AAC, we're going to be left behind. There was no other exit ramp from Conference USA. Um, and the cool thing about college football, which I guess we often forget, you know, we, we forget how much things can change. You know, we, we, we imagine that Bama's the king and it's going to be like this always and you know the conferences are going to remain the way they are um but in fact what we found over the last few years is that of all conferences the Sun Belt has legitimately found a brand and improved itself on the field to the point that you know it's a it's a good football conference um and a lot of that has happened since 2016 and I think I know you agree with this, Patrick, we talked about it a little bit, but a lot of that is simply the fact that they identified uh, schools that fit geographically, that um, have fan bases that can directly interact and kind of create rivalries or at least some interest. Um, Teams that kind of are differentiated between themselves. You joke that other than La Tech and Marshall and Conference USA, like every team is like North Texas, Florida yes. Atlantic, right? I, yeah, so my, my joke was there's five teams in CUSA. It's USM, Marshall, uh, La Tech, UAB, and then just FIU, UTSA. It's just like one yeah, big yeah. one big blob, <laughs> just commuter school blob. Uh, right, basically. right, right. And, <laughs> you know, it, and, and, and the funny thing is about the Sun Belt is with ULL success, with Coastal success, with um, – with the success of several of those institutions, uh, you know, I don't know. The, the, we talked about falling back into the message boards, right? And it's funny when you're on the Conference USA board, and it's just all these people that barely know anything about each other's schools hating each other and yelling at one another about who's going to go where and who's not going to go where. And then you go to the Sun Belt, and they have all these game threads that have all these intricacies and all these details of different fan bases and the different teams and this year's matchup compared to last year's matchup. And... Uh, hey, it'd be great if USM and Marshall were joining in on this party. It's a really different environment. And of course, when you get down to the sort of dollars and cents of it, um, and you realize that uh, the Sun Belt sort of very wisely at some point over the last five years hitched its wagon entirely to ESPN, where uh, Conference USA's media deal, you you need like an abacus or something to figure out what's (laughs) going on there, right? Um, It's in hieroglyphics on the wall. You you have no idea what what channel you're going to be on from week to week, if at all. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that that gave us another exit ramp. Um, you know, years ago, we would have been like horrified at the idea of USM and the Sun Belt. Um, and now I think we can be legitimately excited that the, uh, the rumblings out there are so strong. So yeah, that's what's changed since that particular article. I think all of the uh, positives that we focused on in that piece, you know, fan support, the uh, I think we talked about TV ratings for different USM games that were in a, a big time slot compared to some of the other TV ratings of other games. Um, like I think we looked at the 2011 
Conference USA Championship versus a couple of the other Conference USA Championships around that time, some of which also involved teams with the AC, uh, and they were really good. Um, you know, some other factors as well uh, that we hold up really well. And uh, I think that's only going to put us in a stronger position if this Sunbelt thing goes through. What I think is, is really interesting is that, you know, there was, there has been for mm, the majority, the vast majority of all of these conference, you know, whatever, three or four realignments of, you know, this emphasis on media market. And that's one of the things you talk about in that article and how, you know, when, when Conference USA did backfill, the emphasis was almost a hundred percent on media market. And it, it was, there was little to no emphasis on a tradition or rivalry or, or even regional uh, distance from, you know, your peer institutions in the conference. And um, yeah, so I, what, why, why is that still the, uh, why are there still the parameters, I guess, when you see, see how it, it has hurt Conference USA and now the, the, you know, you, the, uh, the emphasis is still on the media market, you know, when the, the AAC, I think it, you know, was at some point last week on one of the, the many days that, you know, there was something, uh, some kind of rumbling about conference realignment when, um, you know, it, it was UTSA and FAU, FIU that were mentioned for the oh, AAC. As like a, if UAB or if like right, those uh, Mountain West schools turn them down, they were Right, yes. Yeah, so, and that's a, yeah, and, and with the Mountain West schools, that's, you know, complete, um, you know, completely turning your back on regional rivalry in relation to uh, the schools in your conference. So what, why do you, why do you think that is, is still the emphasis if, if we've seen it backfire, at least for Conference USA and seen it work for the Sun Belt to go the other direction? Yeah, it's that idea that I think you're always sort of aiming for the big potential, right? Like if you can ever, if you get a school that's in a media market like Miami or San Antonio and it wins 10 games, three or four years in a row, you think that, hey, we're going to cut into a bigger percentage of that big market. Whereas, you know, some, I guess they figure if Southern Miss wins 10 or 12 games, two or three years in a row, and we're ranked in the top 25 for years at a time. Oh, so what? They're in Hattiesburg. It's still not going to garner that much overall attention. You know, I think, I think that's flawed because the real draw for the networks, of course, is you know, how many people are going to be interested in watching that team nationally. It's not like this is the old days where you've got Raycom or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's all the local stations that have to buy the rights and show the game, right? It's a whole different, if your game is on ESPN, your game's on ESPN. And if your team is good and your team has a brand, um, people are going to watch it. People watched the 2011 Conference USA game. They didn't watch Houston wasn't Houston tuning in in record numbers. They watched it because it was a football game and it was the number six team in the country and the number 23 team in the country, right? I mean, that's why they watched it. Um, and I think what the Sunbelt hit on was if you can just get some good football programs in the same conference and they're all in the same general area, uh, you're going to build a brand that way. And it doesn't have the same sort of maximum potential as if, uh, you know, Coastal Carolina was in Norfolk or something. Uh, and uh, if, if uh, ULL was in New Orleans instead of Lafayette, you know, maybe not. But at the same time, I don't think the gap is as real as people think. Um, you know, and the AAC is, is going to hope that they 
get UAB and they get Colorado State and that Colorado State somehow bites its way into the Denver market or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, you know, Conference USA proved that that is not necessarily how things are going to go. There's no guarantee there whatsoever. It's the long shot at best, I think. Um, yeah, I have a guy uh, that I kind of rely on. He's like my football shaman. Uh, one of my, a friend of mine out in Texas uh, from Austin. Uh, and he's big on USM football. He's a UT guy, but he's big on, on USM as well. Um, and he's also really big on obviously all Western football. And he made the point at the time of the Colorado State news that even a, a football program like that, which I think has a relatively decent reputation, that reputation was built from like one period with one coach, basically Sonny Lubick. And it was like from the nineties and the yeah. early to mid. Yes. He was their, he was their bower basically. Right. Exactly. Right. And other than like two years when McElwain was there, they basically never done anything else ever. Um, but yet they have a market. So the <laughs> AAC is interested. Yeah. So it's, it's frustrating. It's yeah. why we're not going to be in the AAC, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I said, I think I think the fact the Sun Belt has kind of followed, figured out this other formula, um, it's a lot of reason for uh, some hope. I think it should be reason for excitement if and when this actually happens. Yeah, we we were talking uh, last week on the show, and we were kind of DMing about, uh, and you had mentioned it earlier, but um, just how things, how fast things have changed in terms of mm-hmm. the Sun Belt is being seen as at least a small step up. It's just kind of funny thinking about you know the New Orleans Bowl period when we would play North Texas or somebody and we were thinking, wow, this is, this is the best, this conference has to, or this is the best Sunbelt has to offer. I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned a, uh, <laughs> I think it was a Clarion ledger headline or, or it was a, it was a newspaper head, uh, headline. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it was what 2004 game, I think. And that was the first year that I actually followed Southern Miss. Um, Cause I, I decided to go to USM. I'm from new Orleans. I live in new Orleans now. Um, I think we were living in Pekin at the time, but still I've, my focus, my background was always been more Louisiana than more New Orleans. Um, so I was looking for schools and kind of fell in love with USM when I was scoring it uh, and I decided on it a year before getting there in 2005. And um, like the first game I watched that year was the ABC game versus Nebraska. So they, they upset Nebraska and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is going to be awesome. Um, and then we ended up in the New Orleans Bowl and, you know, it was disappointing. If Luke Johnson is listening, uh, I want to thank him, by the way, uh, for the time in the very old, tiny USM bookstore that was, I think it was like the last year it existed in 2005. Um, really small, cramped space, I think where the math zone is now. Uh, they used to show um, highlights from the previous season on this old TV hanging on the wall. Uh, and one day I was standing there watching the highlights and this kind of tall guy is next to me watching the highlights going, man, we should have won that game versus Memphis. Uh, and I look over and it's Luke Johnson. So we just chatted about, about USM football it was my first experience with a college football player. Um, I remember it very clearly, Luke, if you're out there. Uh, thank you for that. That was great. Um, but yeah, so the whole point was getting back to this newspaper headline. It was Michael Bowley tackling the U.S. or the North Texas running back. And the headline was something like bigger, stronger, faster. Um, so that was our perception of Sunbelt football at the time. Uh, of course, North Texas is now in Conference USA. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem was that they're dead weight away from them and they kind of patch themselves up and and fix things beyond where they were before yeah and or were you gonna go say ahead, go ahead. um yeah just so my identity of the league we were um kind of talking about the conference usa it was it, when it at the founding of conference usa was kind of a i guess a mi- mishmash of teams from just different leagues that 
basically independents and leftovers from the Southwestern Conference that kind of got together and formed a league. So Conference USA never really had an identity, but I guess we were kind of, it was still made sense to be in there because all of our old rivals were there. And once all those old rivals left, it, uh, you know, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, maybe we should have joined the Sun Belt 10 years ago. I mean, that would have been crazy to think of then, but uh, yeah. There, I think there's still people too on the Southern Miss side that, um, you know, may, you know, see that, that there would be a plus in, to moving to the Sun Belt simply because Conference USA is so bad, but they still, they still kind of hold to that, that older perception of, of us mm-hmm. being so far above the Sun Belt, um, which is, you know, a hard thing to shake because it's, that's, that has been the case for a long time. Yeah, um, for sure. To you, how big of a jump or an improvement would a move to the Sun Belt be? I mean, I think at worst, and this is at absolute worst, the football itself would be equivalent. I mean, you know, we're, when you're playing FIU and, and even FAU, they have they've had some good years, but, you know, other than the schools that you mentioned, La Tech, I mean, I would miss the La Tech game. And, and it's funny because the Sun Belt people, they <laughs> lose the Tech. I had no idea just how much everyone in that conference right now despises La Tech. Um, so, you know, good luck, good luck, Bulldogs. Um, but other than that game, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even going to really miss the UAB games. Um, I, mean, I know they're like a de facto rival, but, and it would suck if they like moved up and we didn't, of course, and I'm not sure AAC is really moving up anymore. Um, it's moving sideways in a different direction with a little bit more money, maybe better, better lifeboat. But, um, I think overall the football is not going to be any different. You know, what, there is no difference to me between playing North Texas and Texas State. You know, uh, in most years, it, it's just it's the same thing. What's different is being able to go over and see Troy and having Troy fans come over and see our games. Um, what's different is going to be having Kane Momack, you know, be a pain in our butt for the next two or three years if we're in, if we're in the Sun Belt, right? Right. Um, What's different is going to be able to being able to go over to Lafayette and and yeah, I've been to their stadium once or twice. It's like cool, like hole. They built the whole stadium into a hole in the ground, which is a lot cooler than it, than it sounds, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it'll be a fun experience. You know, even even you, I think you said something like, at least you can drive to ULM relatively easily. It's not like, old, you know, Old Dominion or UTEP, right? Uh, which is an equivalently good or bad football program most of the time but it's so far away you can never get there. Um, so overall, just a better experience and, and more chances for the games to feel like they mean something and for the opponent to be something other than generic. And even if they bring two or 3,000 fans to each of these games, that's better than the almost zero fans that UTEP brings or ODU brings. Um, other than a handful of our conference you know, rivals uh, like La Tech or, or UAB, you just, you don't, we, we sit, my, my, our section, section O is like the next section over from where the visiting fans are supposed to sit, you know, and, and there were some Troy, there were uh, quite a few Troy people there. Um, but unless it's one of the games against a, a SWAC team that we often schedule, um, we can go most of the season without interacting with visiting fans and we're sitting right next to them. Um, and so it's different. It's different when you're playing South Alabama or Troy already. So I can't imagine how much better it would be when it's ULL people. Um, you know, even Marshall people tend to travel a little bit in the conference, which is one reason I hope that Marshall comes along 
to the Sun Belt, as has been the rumor. Um, but yeah, I think that's the difference. The, 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 the fan interactions alone will make it better than the experience that we have had with Conference USA. We've been talking to Bradley Warshower from Black and Gold Review. We will wrap it up quickly here. I have one more question. Patrick, do you have anything else? Yeah, I guess just, just one more thing. Uh, just kind of talk about, I mean, you kind of talked about just the ge- geographic part of it, but, you know, how much or how important is it that, you know, the Sun Belt that we've talked before about how it's kind of a Gulf Coast centered league, you know, the headquarters in the Superdome, they play their basketball tournament and, um, in Pensacola, they played it in New Orleans before, but they have a, a deal signed for Pensacola the next several years. Um, a lot of schools, kind of like Southern Miss, um, smaller towns, um, not as large enrollments, just, you know, kind of smaller schools. I guess, Tuck, uh, just, you know, how important you think that is uh, compared to CUSA when you're in these big towns or these big cities with, you know, 40,000, 50,000 uh, students and that kind of thing? Yeah, it, it's that. I think it's the idea of, I don't want to pick on Tulane. I love Tulane. I work at Tulane. So uh, it, it's great. I, I've actually, I know our game versus Tulane. Really be often I have a class where I'll have Tulane football players in the class. And uh, for the bowl game, I remember talking trash with like their punter and a couple of other guys. Uh, it was a great, it was a great time. Um, so I'm, I'm maybe more pro Tulane, a lot of USM fans for obvious reasons. Um, so I say this because I, preface this by saying I, I don't mean anything negative toward Tulane whatsoever, but being from New Orleans, um, you know, you're in a fairly large city and um, you grow up here, you live around here for most of your childhood, and you realize that very few people in the city have really followed Tulane football, right? It's all LSU football, um, if, when we're talking about college anyway. So the experience in Conference USA very often is that experience. It's a larger market and everyone there is a Longhorn fan. Everyone there is a Tiger fan. Uh, everyone there is a Clemson fan. They're not, they're a, or a Virginia Tech fan or, or, or a Miami fan, right? Or an FSU fan. They're not an FAU fan. They're not a old ODU fan. They're not a UTSA fan. And they're not a Tulane fan. Um, so that's the change. And that is also different from the potential of being in the AAC. Um, when you've got that more intimate environment, I think, geographically, in terms of the city, um, you know, I, I, wrote a, I wrote an article, one of my favorite Black and Gold Review posts on USM uh, is the one, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's Always Cheese, Southern Miss. I played off of the, the Mickey Spagnola article uh, from back in the day. Um, but it focuses on how like local institutions sort of make the feel of the place around the university and kind of um, like really emphasize the experience of the football game, the experience of going to the school, you know, all of that stuff, right? Um, so I kind of name local places and I talk to uh, some fellow graduates from around my time, some people from you know earlier decades from USM and Hattiesburg. And you know, they, they all made the point that in these smaller college towns, you go into a local joint um, and you see the college stuff on the wall. You see US stuff, USM stuff on the wall at T-Bones, right? Um, you, you, you interact with USM people with job works in a way that maybe you don't down the street at Starbucks. Uh, and it's the same thing in a lot of these other towns as well, I think. Whereas in a larger city, like the sort that you see in most of the Conference USA schools, you get lost. 
it doesn't feel like they're in a college town. They're not focused on the university. Um, so that environment, I think, uh, is another big benefit to the potential for a Sunbelt uh, move, just because that fits the experience in my, in my, my experience, especially of being in Hattiesburg. A lot's been made of, uh, and I think understandably so, survival for the, for these G5 institutions who, you know, uh, who um, are thought of as, as going to be left behind if, if you know, it, it goes to the extreme of, you know, this, this big super league and, you know, the SEC keeps adding all these big brands and they go to a 32-team league and whatever, um, you know, happens with that. Um, maybe that's, that's worst case scenario, but... Um, it is, you know, that, that actual split uh, maybe into a, a completely new division or away from the NCAA. What to you is, is the best case for, for scenario for a Southern Miss and maybe some of those schools around us? Yeah, so to me, and if this is a little bit of an uneasy thing given the realignment because I feel like all our hopes hinge on the playoff expansion. Right. And uh, right now I know that that's sort of, they kind of put that on hold until the realignment is done, right? They, I think they're having a meeting where, Originally, they were going to vote on whether to expand the playoff, and now they're just going to kind of meet and talk about the playoff. Um, and I understand that you, know, you want to know what the conferences look like before you change the entire structure of the postseason tournament. Um, but you know that's reason to be a little uneasy because if that playoff expansion doesn't happen, I think that puts more momentum behind an eventual real or de facto split, right? I think everything comes down to access. If there is a way for the G5s to play into an expanded playoff tournament, then I almost feel like to some degree your conference alignment doesn't matter nearly as much as it used to. Um, if you go 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 in the season and you are ranked and you're in competition for that top G5 spot, you get in the playoff. Simple as that. If you take care of business, at least you'll be in the running. Uh, but I think that's the case whether you're in the Sun Belt or in the AAC. Um, you know, maybe you don't want to schedule Bama that year, but you know, <laughs> right. you've got a chance. So that that's 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 what I see. I, I think it all comes down to whether we get a playoff with at least one G5 spot um, or the the 12 team system that they came up with, where there's like two highest ranked conference champions or whatever it was, something like that. I think preserves but that that to me is the best case scenario. Right. Um, yeah. The worst case scenario, obviously, is the one you mentioned. We don't get the extended playoff, and it's the NFL minor league. Right. Yeah. Uh, before before we uh, end this, we just got breaking news. I'm, I'm not kidding. We joked about there was going to be a breaking news during this. Sikkim 365, which is a, a Baylor site, they're talking about further Big 12 expansion. They said <laughs> um, something about Memphis and Boise are the front runners, but I'm not kidding. It says, look for visits or discussions to take place with Tulane, SMU, or possibly even Southern Mississippi. Um, it's, it's, wait, 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 Big 12? Big 12. Big 12. I'm not, it just, I just, just broke, uh, this was tweeted. Um, <laughs> oh, this was tweeted actually earlier today, but I'm just now getting word. Of, uh, oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, don't, don't we got to assume ha- that that won't happen, but if that did happen, just forget <laughs> everything that we just said about yeah. the it sucks. Uh, we're going to Big 12. Yes. Bye, guys. Yeah. Um, oh, but is- no, all serious, it's the last thing I wanted to wanted to say, like, if, if we even have time, um, it isn't even directly related to realignment. It's kind of just related to the Will Hall thing. Um, and I, I feel like the fan base, from what I can tell, is still pretty positive. We kind of know that it's a building, you know, a building process. We've been through that building process before. Um, but yeah, if you, like, click on the link, 
to the Southern Miss article, the Black and Gold Review, you'll find that I think a lot of that stuff was written, a lot of the big posts were written uh, like between 2013 and 2015, like the, the period where Malkin was sort of fixing the mess that was left um, after the year we didn't have any football in 2012. And um, yeah, I get the same sense now as I had then, I think most people had then, which was, yeah, it's rough. Um, yeah, you know that there's a really good chance you're going to leave the stadium with a loss, uh, and that always sucks. Um, but there was never a sense in 2013 and 2014 that we weren't moving in the right direction, that Monkey wasn't going to get the thing turned around. And I have that same sense now. Like, I, I, I feel like we're moving in the right direction. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't get it turned around. And I think quicker than Monkey did. I think the team is better right now than it was in 2013, for sure. Um, especially on defense. 2013 had no defense either. We weren't losing right. games 21 to nine, right? We were losing games 61 to, to three. Um, I remember one time we went up 14, nothing on Marshall or whatever, and we lost like 70 to 14, right? I mean, yep. that's not happening this year, except maybe right. Saturday. But um, yeah, so I, I think if we take away anything from the conversation, it's that, it's that I really do feel positive. I do think we're moving in the right direction. Uh, and I, I really do think we're going to see some of those positive changes before the end of the season. And then who knows, maybe we'll find out we're in the big 12 before the end of the year too. That would be great. <laughs> right. Man, it's that, uh, that reminds me of the Ted Lasso quote. It's the hope that kills you. I, th I feel like little, little <laughs> bits like that have kept Southern Miss fans just being, Oh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe, so. maybe AAC. Um, and then, you know, you, an, an article comes out where we're not even mentioned uh, to move to the Sun Belt or something like that. It's just, right, right. Uh, it's never ending, but, Man, Bradley, thank you so much. This yeah. was highly enjoyable. We'd love to have you on down the line. Where can people find more uh, about Black and Gold Review and the podcast you mentioned? Yeah, so um, blackandgoldreview.com. Um, we haven't had a post up in a few months, actually. We've been slacking. Uh, we do plan. We do have some plans for some new stuff. Um, not sure what the timeline is on that, but uh, you keep an eye out on our Twitter, at BNG Review. Uh, and our um, our website again, blockingoverview.com. Uh, you'll surely see something in the next couple of weeks, few weeks or so. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we're really proud of some of the big, kind of long feature-length articles that we published about the school uh, and about the program over the last few years. And it's always good, I think, to give them a reread, um, just because I, I we were always aiming to sort of represent what it feels like. Um, to really love this university. Um, and so that's what we wrote about. So, Well, be sure to check that out. It is high quality stuff. Bradley, thanks again so much. Absolutely, thanks, man. Guys. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Okay, so after all of that, um, you know, all of that stuff swirling around. There's still football to be played. There is still football. Yes. Golden Eagles one and two coming off uh, yet another really disappointing uh, loss against Troy. And uh, now you uh, get kind of an off weekend. You go play the number one team in the country in the death machine that is Alabama. Um, just first things that jump out to you uh, for this weekend. Yeah, well, obviously Alabama, they've been the gold standard in the sport uh, the past 12 or 13 years. As much as I hate to admit that, you know, I'm, I just – I don't like dynasties of any kind. I never liked the uh, the Patriots right. or, like, Tom Brady even now just playing for the Bucks. But, uh, 
you, you can't deny that they've uh, they've been the gold standard in the sport uh, since Saban's got there. So, um, yeah, obviously a very challenging uh, game. Uh, you know, really, you, you almost kind of want to wave away any negatives that happen. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you're playing right. the best team in the country, and any positives kind of magnify those. So, uh, yeah, obviously a uh, really good team playing this week. Yeah, and also coming off, um, you know, what for them is a really disappointing result, <laughs> uh, only only winning against, um, you know, the number 11 team in the country by two points and really being tested in the game. could have That could have easily been tied up uh, at the end of that game uh, on that two-point conversion. So, uh, you know, Maybe they're a little upset and looking to make a statement. Um, who knows? But uh, what, what is what's the most recent spread that you've seen? Uh, let's see. Yeah, we said on the really uh, live show that it opened up at forty six and it went down. To, I think forty five, and mm-hmm. now it's still it's at forty five. Forty five. There was a minute where I think it uh, it went down to forty four and a half, but it's back up to forty five. But over under was at uh, like fifty. Uh, over under is at fifty eight and a half. So they're basically saying it's going to be like fifty two to. Um, Seven, but yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Which is which is fifty-two uh, twelve was the final score in fourteen. Yes, um, which is when that when the spread was really comparable. Forty-six and a half was the spread, which we we mentioned that. Um, yeah, and so what? And part of what I'm watching, um, and, and obviously the the biggest positive that you're hoping for, um, which you do want to mention, I love the attitude. Uh, that Coach Hall is coming at this with, you know, it's, it's, this is a big opportunity to do something special, and I don't think, um, and I, I think he really believes that, um, and I, I think that is, uh, I think that's fantastic. I don't think a lot of coaches coming off a loss like you just had would would still have that attitude. I think he really uh, believes in himself and uh, in the direction this program is going, and I think that um, I think that will. Pay dividends down the line, maybe not this weekend, um, but yeah. Anyways, the hope, the big hope, is you come out of this uh, largely injury-free, um, and I think maybe especially uh, at quarterback, um, because then you know you have to throw more guys into the fire who are behind keys, and uh, and so what I watch for besides you know just for no injuries is how. How you play keys in this game? Are you as aggressive on the ground as you were last week? Um, because we saw, especially in that first half, you saw him uh, on some designed uh, quarterback carries uh, multiple times in that first half. Uh, yeah, how do you think? What do you think the approach is like uh, for the freshman quarterback making his second start? I think you got to get the ball out quick. I think you got to, you know, throw a lot of screens, throw a lot of quick uh, kind of passes behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe you know, don't let him sit back in the pocket and have those Alabama um, defenders really have the opportunity to take a look at him. I wouldn't run him really. Yeah, I wouldn't run a lot of quarterback runs. Um, just, yeah, try to keep him as healthy as possible. Um, you know, I kind of said on um, Sunday that, you know, maybe we should, like, run a couple of triple option plays. Because yeah. if you go back and look at um, – games where Alabama's really struggled, I mean, not even, I mean, like lower than G5, like FCS. Mm-hmm. The Citadel, where I think the Citadel was actually tied with Alabama back in 2018 at the half, and then Georgia Southern back in 2011. I think Georgia Southern put more points on Alabama than any team they played that year. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's kind of the thing of the triple option is that it 
takes away a lot of that talent advantage. So, sure. I mean, I'm not expecting you to go out there and just completely go full Navy, but, I mean, no. just run like four or five triple option plays just for fun or something. Just kind of, you know, go out there, two running backs, two tight ends, and do something weird. So Yeah, maybe it's an opportunity <laughs> to open up some of that stuff um, and, and to get Keys more familiar with some of those outside pieces um, of the scheme, which, you know, maybe you weren't – you, you wouldn't feel as comfortable trying in, uh, you know, what you can maybe say is a more important game um, against Troy. And, um, yeah, and so I, I – yeah, I think you're right. I think you see um, you see him try to get the ball out quickly and, and maybe less of, of those design runs for keys. Uh, you look for improved line play, which, which maybe will be hard to measure um, against that defensive front. Um but, uh, yeah, maybe it's a good chance uh, to get him some familiarity with some things that maybe he wouldn't do uh, in a more, uh, you know, a competitive game, I guess. Yeah, I, I will say about the Alabama front, I, I checked on that box score how um, the floor, yeah, uh, on, the, on the rushing. Yeah, so Florida ran for 245 yards, which mm-hmm. I think somebody said that was the first time Florida had run – or Alabama had gotten 200-plus – Yards run on maybe mm-hmm. since like the Ohio State when they had Ezekiel Elliott in the playoff back in 2014. Right. So I mean, I mean Alabama obviously they're still gonna have four and five stars on the front. They're still really good, but I mean maybe not quite the uh, you know front seven that they've had sure, in years past. Sure. But I mean still one of the tops in the country. Uh-oh. So yeah. Yes, and usually that means Saban will be out to to prove a point, and <laughs> yes. uh, and so um, yeah, it's uh, maybe you're you kind of coming backs against the wall. And also tried to try to prove a point on the other side of that. They really did not run the ball well against Florida at all. No, no. I mean, yeah, you got it right there. I mean, twenty-eight carries, ninety-one yards. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. over three um, a carry. So yeah, um, you know, Bryce Young played pretty well. He's a you know, a five-star guy. In fact, I think uh, I remember when we played him in nineteen. I think he might have actually been at that game. It's like a visit because he was committed to USC or something, and Bama was trying to flip him, and obviously they were able to flip him. Right. So kind of the circle of life. Uh, Alabama, where five-star quarterback comes to the 2019 USM game, and then uh, starting to get USM. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so worst case scenario, best case scenario in this game. Uh, I think worst case, you know, you get a bunch of injuries. You know, Keys gets hurt. Couple, you know, let's say you lose like Kalik Washington or somebody. Malik Schwartz. Yeah, Ty yeah. Sykes. Um, Which, knock on wood. Yeah, just mention those guys by name. Um, best case, like all I want. From this game is like let's say we get the ball first, we go up seven nothing somehow, and then we get a stop on the next play, and we're up seven nothing with the ball. And people are on Twitter saying, "Oh, you, yeah. Southern Miss, they're up seven nothing on Alabama. They got the ball. Everybody turned into SEC Network and Dynasty just, over? Yeah? Question mark? Yeah, they'll have a column before the first half is over. It's like, yep, Saban, he's done. <laughs> Time to make a run at Dabo. So yeah, yeah, just just something to stir up the Alabama message boards. Just um, something, to, it, just something to make Alab or Saban throw his headset. Just hit it like a big play, like in the fourth quarter or something, uh, that'd be so like satisfying. a seventy or a play action or something. And Saban's just mad about it for the next you know month. He'll be he'll be thinking about it like in after they win the championship again. He'll be thinking about it like in April. Like I can't believe Southern Miss they got that seventy yard touchdown pass on us. When we were up all those points. So yeah, yeah, the safety gets cut and yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so yeah, my my feel is that you know maybe you see something pretty similar to that 2014 game um, where it's you know uh, they jump out to a huge lead and kind of take 
take their foot off the gas. Um, and you, uh, again, it's, it's not, uh, you know, you play, you play Alabama and there's, it's not all negatives. I don't think you get, obviously get a paycheck. And again, I think you, you get to work on some things, um, that you maybe typically wouldn't. It's certainly not an exhibition game. It's a game you want to win, but realistically, especially where, you know, you are as a team and as a program right now, that's, you know, the, uh, the ESPN projection of, uh, I'm not sure where that projection comes from, but it's, it's a percentage of yeah, like win FPI. probability. Yeah. yeah, it was like point zero or zero point yeah, eight three chance for Alabama. So it's basically play the game a thousand times. Yeah. USM would win seven of them. Right. Yeah. yeah, which is you know, I would take that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, not not all negatives, and and certainly um, you know the big hope is for no injuries again, and um, hopefully you get to see maybe that offense open up a little bit at least for what you're trying to do. Um, you know, maybe especially uh, in that second half when when maybe the gas comes off, uh, and so that's to me uh, it will be interesting interesting to watch to see. You know, if if you can do some more things with keys, and uh, you know, get it out quickly because you you know we said that last week going into that Troy game that's that's kind of what you need to do to uh, or what is typically done to get a freshman quarterback uh, into the game and you know to. And shake some of those nerves off and, and build some confidence. We really didn't see that as much uh, was the quick, you know, outside the tackle game, um, especially in the air. And so maybe you see that um, a little bit more and are able to um, get him some confidence going into, you know, you open conference play against Rice that, that very next game. And so uh, a lot of positives can be taken out of this. Um, you know, it's, it's not a – you know, hang your head and go get your spanking and come home. It's, you know, you can definitely take um, some good things out of this. Um, that's pretty much what I have on the Alabama. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I think that's about it. I don't, yeah. So there are some really good games, uh, Conference USA wise. Um, yeah. That we do want to talk about. Yeah, let me pull that up. Uh, the thing I hate about the, uh, the ESPN app is for some reason college football isn't like you have to scroll way down like you have to scroll down past uh yeah like cy- cy- the score yeah i would scroll through like cycling or something but uh yeah so cusa uh starts um tomorrow uh t- tomorrow State. yeah yeah um which is thursday we're recording this wednesday yes, so yes. if you're listening to this you're probably today um but yeah marshall app state tomorrow on espn uh future sunbelt battle right there uh app state um <laughs> App State seven point favorite Marshall kind of that disappointing loss um, against ECU that blew a big lead. Um, yeah. MTSU at Charlotte the conference matchup. Uh, uh, I guess Charlotte or kind of that disappointment at Georgia State. Uh, we talked about our game FIU at Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan has Jim McElwain. I guess that's kind of the thing their yeah. thing. Uh, FIU is kind of trending down. I don't you know non- I guess USA versus Mac. Uh, then I guess the game of the week UTSA at Memphis. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah going to be a really big game. Uh, UTSA undefeated, Memphis undefeated. Both uh, have wins of a power conference team. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's a game where you really find out how good UTSA is. And I, right. obviously that you know that Illinois win is, is the big one mm-hmm. in those first three. Uh, and that was a good win, but there are also some questions about how you know <laughs> how good is, is, is Illinois actually. Yes, they beat Nebraska, but um, yeah. looked, looked – 
pretty abysmal at times last weekend. Um, and so I, I think that's a better measuring stick game for UTSA to yes. see if, if, if they are the team to beat in the West this year. I think so, so. yeah. I think Memphis is pretty clearly better than uh, Illinois. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Buffalo at Old Dominion. Uh, Buffalo, uh, I'm trying to remember if they won the Mac last year. I know their coach got hired away by uh, by Kansas. But that's a program, Buffalo, that's kind of on uh, the rise. Um, so, we'll see what Old Dominion – I mean, Old Dominion is 13.5-point underdog. So, um, yeah. Uh, probably Buffalo win that one. But uh, we'll see. That would be a nice win for Old Dominion. Uh, Texas Southern at Rice. You know, it's a swag by game for Rice. Uh, Cross town uh, game. Uh, North Texas at La Tech. North Texas got beat real badly. Um, UAB, you know, kind of circle on the wagons around Seth Latrell. Mm-hmm. So, then uh, La Tech's obviously had two heartbreakers away from uh, being undefeated. Is that in Ruston? Yes, okay. yes. La Tech's uh, 11.5 point favorite. Um, FIU or FAU at Air Force. Um, I don't, yeah, Air Force 2 and 1, FAU 2 and 1. FAU, uh, I guess they beat Georgia Southern and uh, uh, who was it? Fordham. And they lost to Florida, so right. they're, they're off to an okay start. Uh, and then another big game, uh, UAB at Tulane on uh, at seven. Uh, Tulane's a three and a half point favorite. Uh, so you have you know maybe the best team in CUSA against an AAC team. That's, you know they got B real bad last week by Ole Miss, but I think Tulane they're probably a bold team. And that's not in that's not in New Orleans, is it? No, I think it is. I think they they just uh, they announced that last week, maybe. I think. Oh, they're, they're, so, yes, okay. it says okay. – does it say right here? It says Ullman Stadium. Okay, so there you go. It is. There you go. Because uh, there was actually some talk of this game being played at Legion Field because uh, right. I don't think UAB Stadium is even ready yet until maybe yeah. next week. So, but uh, – and then uh, – now, here is another uh, – it would have been a little bigger if they gotten off to a better start, but uh, Indiana is going to Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Indiana, I mean, that was a team that was a uh, – you know, they played one of those Florida Bowls last year. They were preseason top 25. Uh, haven't looked great early on, but uh, you know this Western Kentucky. You know you're playing a pretty good team out of the Big Ten at home. Yeah, you know that's a that's a capable. I mean they really. Uh, I mean Cincinnati kind of turned it on late in that game um, against Indiana last weekend, but uh, yeah, Indiana still still a good football game team. So that's yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, and um, you know WKU's gone. We talked about it, but they've gone kind of full air raid, taking yeah. all the guys from Houston Baptist, which. Uh, yeah, Houston Baptist has gone full air. I think it had a hired a GA from like Texas Tech era Mahomes or Mahomes era Texas Tech as their OC, and then WKU brought that guy in. Uh, and then the last game, uh, New Mexico at UTEP. Uh, UTEP trying to get to three and one. Um, you know, UTEP has played a pretty easy. They beat Bethune and they beat New Mexico State, and uh, they lost at UTEP or they lost at Boise about forty one mm-hmm. last week yep. or two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, UTEP. We're uh, actually looking at the schedule right now. They don't play a team out of the uh, out of any power conferences. So pretty easy schedule for UTEP. So I guess they're trying to rack up wins and get to six wins and get that New Mexico Bowl invite. So there you go. <laughs> well, that about does it, I guess. Uh, man, again, I want to thank Bradley Warshower. Uh, that was a ton of fun. We will. We're going to try to have him on. Again, down the line somewhere. Um, should have another good interview next week. Um, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. For Patrick McGee, I'm Ben Milo, and we will see you next time. This has been Buzzard Drake.
Thanks for listening. And be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.